Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This is our annual NHL mock draft going through the lottery in the first 15 picks. With us today are always co-host Chris Lisa, Mark Scheig from the Hockey Riders, and Dan Harrison from Tampa Bay Lightning Insider. Boys, a little late start. We had a little technical difficulties, but we're in, we're here, and we're ready to rock and roll. Chris, how's it going today, buddy? I am uh, doing good. Do we have everyone on the line? Hello, gentlemen. Tiger, Dan. What's going on? We got everybody, right? Dan, well, are you all right. there? Do we have Dan? I heard Tiger. We got Dan on the switchboard. What's, uh, Shag, what's your area code? Mine, 814. Okay, let me, let me try and reboot the other call. Okay. Can you guys hear me? There, there we go. Is. I got you back now. Dan, good day to you, sir. Yeah, good day. I could hear you guys. Uh, I, I don't know why you guys weren't able to hear me. Yeah, the all switchboard right. showed you it was connected, but sometimes that screws it up. Well, anyway, we're all here to go through the first 15 picks in the NHL draft. Uh, Chris probably has the easiest slam dunk of them all. And then I saw a tweet what? on Shiger that said, after after two, nobody knows what's going to happen. And that's pretty much it. This is for fun. We're going to have a good time with it. We're not going to get into any any potential teams that might be trading up or down. Uh, we're just going to go down the list and, and pick our teams, pick our players, and, and move right through it. There was a trade, and when we get to Montreal and Arizona, uh, I'll have you guys talk a little bit about if you think that that uh, Domi for Galchenyuk trade is going to impact what each team is planning to do in the draft. But we'll get to that as we get to picks three and six. So uh, let's just kick it off and get rocking and rolling. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres hold the number one pick overall. Uh Maybe a few years too late if you go back and look at the McDavid Eichel draft. But uh, anyway, Chris, the Buffalo Sabres are on the clock. Well, have no fear, Sabres fan. The healing will begin, and I will guide you like I guided the Boston Bruins a couple of years ago and brought Charlie McAvoy to them, and uh, obviously Don Sweeney was listening. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't have someone from Long Island to, to bring you, although keep an eye on DJ King, third-round probably pick from Northport, Long Island. But as I digress, number one, uh, we're going to go with this kid, uh, Rasmus Dallin, who looks like he's out of central casting for a team's future franchise defenseman. Basically, he has size, 6'2", 183. He's a great skater. He moves talk, he plays all, all around game, all of the zones, he basically does it all. I read someone uh, using the analogy or using the analysis and say, uh, I don't know if he's going to be as big as him, but, you know, maybe a better version of Victor Hedman, that's, that's, that's a pretty good compliment. So uh, I, I can go on and on about this kid, but uh, everyone knows all about him. Uh, you know, let's put it this way, if he wound up being uh, a stalwart number two, uh, second pairing defenseman. People would be the Sabres would be disappointed. So, Buffalo's, in my opinion, has a lot of work to do. Uh, but to lay a doll into the fold with Eichel, who of course is the uh, was the third best pick of the 2015 draft, 
and you got Middlestat, and you build from there. So Dolan to the Sabres at number one. That's pretty much the consensus. And, uh, yeah, you get a, a dynamic puck-moving defenseman with size. Um, he will throw the body around. So um, pretty pretty safe pick there for Buffalo. Um, Chris, do you think he plays in the NHL this year? I think I think uh, Shike in particular would probably be able to better answer that question, but it seems like the answer to that would be there's a strong chance. Strong possibility. Okay, well let's go over to Shiger with. And uh, what what do you think, Mark? Is he is he NHL ready, or does he need a little bit more seasoning? No, he's, you're going to see him wearing a Sabres uniform, in my honest opinion. I, I really – what better option are you going to line up right off the bat? Get him in there, get him going, let him get used to the league. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of growing pains just to adjust, but just let's get the Dolan show going. Okay, okay. You know, well, I, with I, that – go ahead, Dan. I was, I, I was going to say I agree with that, and I and I agree with the comparisons of Edmund. And not a lot of people, you know, people look at Hedman today, but believe me, he 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 started 18 years old. Uh, he was a, he was on the bottom pairing, and he made an awful lot of mistakes. But you could see the potential, and I think with Dolan, there's 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 very little difference. So I think I it, just my two cents. I think we're going to see him this fall. All right, all right. Well, let's take uh, the Carolina Hurricanes onto the clock with Mark Scheich. And who are we selecting for Carolina? They have a lot of places they can go. No, they don't. <laughs> let's no? Let's end, the right. let's, just, let, let's end that right there. I know that teams are probably going to call. I know Carolina might be active, maybe trying to trade Jeff Skinner, maybe Justin Fall, even Noah Hannafin. But when it comes to the pick, Andrei Sefechnikov is the pick, and they shouldn't be considering anybody else with Dahlin going first. I think the point that I want to make, though, as to why the conversation ends there, is that, at least in my mind, the gap between Dahlin and Sefechnikov is not as big as a lot of people are making it out to be. Sefechnikov scored 40 goals in 44 games. He missed time because he had a broken hand. The only reason he's probably not at 60 goals was because of an injury. This guy can flat out shoot the puck. He was my light years ahead of his draft comparables in the Ontario Hockey League. I mean, Carolina is getting somebody. They've drafted defense in the previous few years. They're getting a guy in Sefechnikov who is one of the best wingers to come through in quite some time. And if you think about the Metro all of a sudden, Nolan Patrick, Nico Hishier, now Andrei Sefeshnikov. So three of the last four, one or two picks, assuming they pick them, are going to go to the Metropolitan Division. And as a Blue Jackets person here and Chris with the Islanders, gee, that's great. Let's just have all this great talent come into the division. But Carolina, they have no choice. They have to pick them. I don't see how you can justify picking anybody else, given what he brings to the table. Okay, okay. Dan, Dan, Chris, your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I, I would concur. I, it's hard for me to. I mean, I love the the other players on the board still, but 
Yeah, I, I and he's NHL ready too. So, um, you know, other than you want to go with the theory of, uh, which I don't agree with, that, you know, Martinikis has played with Sedina and Martinikis is going to be a future potential, uh, you know, core player for Carolina. It, I think that's a reach. But other than that, it's, uh, I, I think it would be a mistake to take anybody else uh, but Savetchnikov. I agree, and I think that uh, also that he is probably NHL ready, although I think the key thing that Mark just said, and I agree with, I think Carolina is going to move that pick. Uh, I, I, I just think that there's so many rumors flying around that they are looking to make perhaps make a deal. So, But if they don't, I think they would be foolish to pass on uh, on him. Oh. I think they'll make a deal, but I don't think it involves the number two pick. I think Jeff Skinner, Falk, Hannafin, you'll probably see guys like that go Skinner for sure, but I don't think they're trading the number two pick unless somebody really comes up and just blows their socks off. But I just don't see that part of it. Well, they're certainly okay. going to be listening. Yeah, that's a pick to keep keep our eye on as well as Carolina. They uh you know, I kind of had them sneaking into the playoffs in the preseason preview and, and for a number of reasons that they were close, but just not quite over the top and ready yet. So we'll see what we'll see what they do here in the off season and maybe they can can get back into the playoffs next season. Let's move on to the number three pick, Montreal and Dan. First first thing we have a Galchenyuk for Domi trade. Do you think that trade impacts what they're going to do with this number three pick at all? Well, I, I think so. And I, in this respect, it, there's no question that they need a top center. And getting Domi, uh, a, a winger, I think this, I think that's a prelude to them possibly dropping down. I actually think Katka Niemi is probably the right pick for them, but he he isn't necessarily a number three pick in this draft. I think Montreal might may move down. Now, having said that, for our purposes, I I think that their their pick at number three would have to be Philippe Zadina. I think that is I, I, I you know I think there was a lot of uh, comparisons between Zadina and Savetnikov that that they could easily have gone. Uh, interchange between the second and third pick. So with the third pick, Montreal would take Philippe Zadina. Well, that's been, that's been what they've been, at least the uh, Canadian nation has been, been screaming for, for the last little bit is the number one, number one center and obviously help on defense in front of Carey Price. So, um, I, I, I agree with that. I think they got to go. He would be the highest ranked center on the board um, at that pick. And so. listen, they got Montreal's got ten picks in the first five rounds, so they are going to get some bodies, and they have ability the ability to the assets to to be uh, willing trading partners with anyone. Yeah, there could be a lot of movement in Montreal. Uh, Hi, Chris. Your thoughts sound about right? Uh, the question I have for both Dan and, and Scheiger is, I agree with uh, Carpeño, I'm butchering his name, is the guy that they want, 
and but how far do they have to slide down? Like, do they have to, you know, I've seen different spots. It seems like he could be in play anywhere uh, from five on. So if they, that's the guy they want, who, who are they eyeing to trade with? And who wants to get up there to the three spot, presumably, to take uh, Zadina? My, my guess would be New York Rangers at, at the nine pick. And don't forget the Rangers have a sec. They have a um, a second first round pick. So you mm-hmm. think of teams like the Islanders who have two, the Flyers have two, the Rangers have two. Those are teams that you kind of circle to say, hmm, did they try to call and make a deal, package a couple picks together and try to go up? And you definitely keep your eye on them. I, you know what, I'm going to be bold. I actually think in in real life, I think they pick Kakeniemi third. I mean, being at the combine. He, he was the one guy that everyone kind of raved about. And he even dropped the quote mm-hmm. that he thought Montreal was going to pick a center. And he said, I really hope that it's me. He's drawing comparisons really? to Alexander Bark up in Florida. Um, and if he can mm-hmm. even get anywhere close to that, then, tell you what, then Montreal's going to pick there. Remember how Columbus picked Pierre-Luc Dubois third to the amazement of the hockey world? And well, it turned out to be a pretty mm-hmm. good pick. And if if Gasperi can do the same thing and Montreal believes it, you know, no trading down because he, yeah, he can go anywhere in the top five. And, you know, take the, if you honestly believe that he's going to be the guy that's going to help your team make the pick and move on. And just, and, and I've seen even a couple scenarios about Zadina that he could fall if Montreal passes on him, even down as far as outside the top five. I mean, that's, Crazy talk, wow. in my opinion, but at least the idea has been floated out there. So, I mean, no matter what happens, Montreal certainly going to be the team that we need to pay attention to because they're going to be the first domino that gets the 2018 draft really up and popping. Yeah, I mean, right. I don't know if if if, if Katinov, I, I mean, if they made that deal with the Rangers, I don't know if he would be on the board at nine. I think you're holding your breath a bit uh, if you're Montreal. So that's. That makes it that makes it tricky in my mind. Well, they would well, definitely have to be, have a, a plan be, B or a plan C if they move down as far as nine and hope to get Zadina. Um, they would definitely have to have a plan B and C in place if they made that deal. Agree. Yeah, I, I agree with Shike. I think I think it is a real possibility. I think it's a possibility that they convince them, they rationalize themselves to taking him at three. I think that's that's on the board. Well, I wanted to ask Shig, especially because he was at the combine too at some point, so I might as well get it out of the way now. Is, is there, and, and we're we're talking about trying to trade down and get a player who who you know you might pick up an asset um, and pick him more where the general consensus slots that player. But is there too sometimes a little bit too much overthinking that to and you kind of alluded to it already to where if that's your player and you and you you know you've got the number three pick and and that's your guy you you don't it seems to me that you just got to take the guy and and you know what whatever happens happens but you trust your scouts you trust you trust all the work that they've done you you and and yeah, you maybe you get another uh, another second round pick, but then if like with the Rangers example, your guy's not there, and then you go to a Plan B, but then that Plan B goes to Detroit at six, 
And now what do you do? Do you trade down again and, and try and pick up more picks? And, and you're, I think sometimes if you overthink it and you start going the other way, um, I've seen that hurt a lot of teams in the draft side. What, what's your opinion on, and, and you kind of already alluded to it, but maybe elaborate a little bit on if that's your guy, you take your guy, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I agree with you. I mean, I guess think of it as, you know, teams obviously pay attention to, you know, the media and what they say, but when it comes to their final list that they come up with in their meeting, it's their list. It's not my list. It's not your list. It's not TSN. It's not Sportsnet. It's their own list. And if they have Jesperi Kakanyemi as the best available player, they're going to take him. Will it stun a lot of us? Well, sure, because a lot of people have the opinion that Philippe Zadina is the third best player in this draft. But yeah, if they have enough, if they believe in their heart of hearts that their scouts say that they need to take the center, then they're going to do that. They're not going to care about how the hockey world reacts to it, even though there will be a big gasp. It really doesn't matter. It really comes down to what they believe in, what they've scouted, what they've seen. I mean, they put hours and weeks and a whole season's worth of effort into this to come up sure. with a master list. So they're going to use their own list to, you know, come up with that. And I think that's going to really make the back end of the first round interesting because my understanding and talking to various people is that there's a good 40 to 45 players in this draft that I've seen ranked as a first rounder. Now think about that. So if there's that many pe- people or not that many players that are possibly a first rounder, then you're going to see varying opinions based on the, the team that is selecting. So you're going to start to see players start to slip down. That's there's, you're going to see some trading up when a particular player starts to slip down. But then if you get to a point where you know that the player that you're looking at might be there three picks later, might be there five picks later, and you're sure of it, then why not trade down? Why not get an extra pick out of it? But you better be right about it. So, Shai, yeah, are sure. you saying then... that the, the, the Islanders uh, – uh, sorry, Dale, we'll jump to Dan in a second. But you, So you're saying that uh, the Isles picks in the second round at 41 and 43 uh, are going to have good value in the open market for Lula and Morello. Oh, my gosh. The – Depending on the way the first round goes, yeah. In fact, I mocked for the Islanders um, in our writer's mock draft, and I was able to land an impact winger, in my mind, two impact defensemen, and the best goalie available in this draft for their four picks. And there's a lot of different ways that it could break down for the Islanders for sure, but having those four picks, they wouldn't even have to trade up or down, and they could get four really solid prospects out of it. Well, there you go, Chris. And then then one more thing, and we'll move on to Ottawa. But with Dan's point in Montreal having 10 picks, I think he said in the first three rounds, um, you know, Montreal set first five rounds. So I think it would take quite a bit to get that pick away from Montreal unless – you know, they start thinking too much and, and moving down a little bit because they're already heavy towards the top side of the draft anyway. So, um, all right, let's go on to Ottawa. It's a, I'm not going to get too much into it, <laughs> but uh, Chris, we, we exchanged tweets about Ottawa this week a little bit. Um, 
they may be replacing a, a top six forward and possibly the best offensive defenseman in the National Hockey League before this draft is over with. So at the number four pick, where does the Ottawa Senators go? Well, then the other part is it is possible because per the Matthew Shane trade early in the year, they either have to give up this year's number one, which they have, I think, until 24 hours <laughs> Excuse me, before the draft to decide or next year's number one, and next year's number one is unconditional. So they're going to go in a full-blown rebuild. And I believe there's this kid out there, an American forward, uh, I'm remembering correctly, Jack Hughes, that people Jack think Hughes, is going to yep. be the best, the best player to come out since McDavid. Um, that's pretty high praise. So, uh, so it is possible that the Avalanche could wind up here, which I'm sure they're uh, wouldn't be upset about. But I'm going to assume it's Ottawa. And look, I've seen some a lot of theories out there. Well, they'll probably if they don't trade Carlson now, they're going to trade him during the season. So they should take a defenseman, and I couldn't just disagree more because, uh, to me, the best player on the board is a winger and not a defenseman. And uh, I'm a big believer in taking when you know if it's close, fine. Uh, also, by the way, Ottawa has one of the top defensive prospects by a kid named Thomas Shabbat. So it's not like they don't have anything in the pipeline, and he's he, you know he's going to be ready to be on the team next year. I remember a couple of years ago when we did this for the first one, Mark, uh, and um, the, the Devils were on the board, and I, I uh, at that point I said they should take Prober off. And you said, well, wait a minute, aren't they desperate for forwards? And I go, oh, they're not just desperate for forwards. They're beyond desperate for forwards, not just on the NHL level at that time, but what was in the pipeline. But I said, having said that, based on, uh, uh, you know, who's available, looking at the Kimo Myers and the Zakas, Provolov should be the pick, and um, they didn't, and the Flyers on the next pick took Provolov, and they're pretty happy, and I'm not putting down Pavel Zaka. Uh, he still could be a real good player, but that's the point of the story here for me. So real quick, to get to, uh, you know, Brady to Chuck, I mean, you know, you have size, you have speed. Uh, he plays with a great amount of intensity. Um, he He's a scorer. You got the bloodlines with his dad being Keith Kachuk, obviously, and his brother in the league, and now Matthew Kachuk. I mean, you know, an offensive power forward with intensity and speed and scoring. I'm in. Uh, I've seen some mock drafts, believe it or not, where he is even on the board, where the Islanders pick at 11, which I would do. Uh, I would go into the Irish jig if that happens. But uh, <laughs> well, uh, hey, you guys got yeah, um, you got Bartsall at 17, I believe. Yeah, we got him at 16, so who, who knows? 16, that was an injury, yeah, injury health situation. So, anyway, uh, to me, uh, this, to me, is Brady to Chuck. And if uh, Ottawa goes defense, I think that's going to be a big mistake and someone's going to fall into uh, to Chuck. So, um, that's the pick. To Chuck at four. Uh, yeah, if Ottawa, Ottawa or Colorado takes Colorado. that pick, I think. I think Kachuk goes either way at number four, depending on, you know, assuming the first three go the way they think they will and no one trades out or anything. I think, I think Colorado would also take Kachuk if he's, if he's there at the four slot. I agree. 
All right. Well, that'll take uh, Arizona onto the clock. And Mark, I'm gonna ask you what I asked Dan about the uh, the Domi Galchenyuk trade. What are your thoughts on that, and how that affects Arizona, or if it does, in which way they'll head here with the number five overall pick? Uh, before the trade, I had Arizona picking a defenseman. After the trade, I guarantee they'll pick a defenseman, just to kind of give you a sense of okay. where, where everything stands with that. With Galchenyuk, obviously, maybe you can play him at center. Um, he's played center before. He can play on the wing. You, you either throw him with Derek Stepan or Clayton Keller. I mean, you're talking about um, a steady center and a dynamic young up-and-coming player. You coupled Galchenyuk with either, so you're, you've already improved offensively. Um, so going to the pick, um, you need a puck-moving defenseman. You need somebody that's going to complement Oliver ekman Larson. And I don't think that there's any better defenseman in the draft that can do that if we're looking at a offensive upside standpoint and a dynamic um, standpoint than Quinn Hughes. I really think that this trade really points at Arizona Peyton Quinn Hughes. Just watch him on tape. Just the things that he does, he can quarterback your power play. He can get – he's so good with the puck. He can skate. I mean, he's a little smallish, yes. He needs to improve a little bit on the defensive end. But from a just an upside standpoint, I, I think Arizona needs to pick Quinn Hughes fifth overall. Were you surprised that OEL, t uh, I guess, verbally agreed to the eight-year extension to stay in Arizona? Not really, no. I, I think that Arizona needed to show evidence of how far they've come or, were, you know, just something. And letting him walk or not signing him would not have been looked upon very well. So in my mind, I think that was the right move on both sides to, you know, have that one player, have that anchor back there and now you're going to bring somebody on that's going to complement him very well. So I just think that, you know, Arizona's on the up and up, and especially if they take Hughes at fifth. But my surprise that OEL, not at all. Okay, okay. I, I like to pick the def defense. Um, the, they're really not too heavy in their pipeline of who's coming up. For a minute, I thought the um, – I thought the Samuelsons there were going to – if I'm remembering correctly, I thought they were going to come up and be a big part, but it looks like they've stalled out a little bit. So you do need to strengthen that in the pipeline, even if he's a year or two out. Um, Quentin Hughes, probably a good pick. It, hopefully there's a little more size coming his way. Product of the University of Michigan out of the Big Ten. So um, guys, any feedback for, for Shag on that pick? I'm sure well, the, I think the fan base would be thrilled. Yeah. I would agree with that. But I think Arizona needs – I think they're picking defense. And uh, you got – I like a player like Hughes. I think he's, he'll be a good fit. But there's two or three at this, at this point in the draft that would probably fit the bill for Arizona. Yeah, I agree. And, and let's stay with Dan here as, as we move on to the number six overall pick with the Detroit Red Wings. Dan, who does Detroit take? Well, I think they're in a, a, a very similar situation to the Coyotes because I think they need a, the, uh, their top priority is a, a top four D-man. And I had Hughes uh, at, at the number one slot uh, since he's off the board. 
I think Detroit uh, selects Adam Boquist, uh, who, from what little I've seen and, and, and found out about him, I think he's going to be a Charlie McAvoy-type defenseman, and I think that's going to bode well for the Red Wings. He's the number two ranked European skater on NHL.com. That's kind of what I'm I'm using rankings for uh, right now. Um, six foot one sixty five. Uh, one I'm getting a little blurry here already, boys. Um, okay, I don't know much about Boquist. I was looking at some of the other North American ranked skaters going at, in that spot. Uh, I was gonna say I Go can ahead. project on Boquist a little bit. I've watched a few of his games this year. He's actually the best offensive defenseman behind Darlene in this draft. But at the combine, there's a lot of chatter that he's kind of the the one. You know, there's the four defensemen. There's Quinn Hughes, Evan Bouchard, Noah Dobson, and Boquist. And I heard a lot of chatter that he's the one that's kind of starting to fall a little bit just because there's some questions about other aspects of his game. But, you know, whoever drafts him, Detroit's getting an offensive dynamo on the blue line if they get him. Um, So it'll be interesting to see which way they go, because, you know, Arizona and Detroit both are going to have a big say in how the first round plays out, because, you know, Dan is right, they both need defense. And it'll be interesting to see what was their rationale to pick one over the others. If they pick Boquist, then they value offense. If they pick somebody else, then it'd be interesting to see what their explanation was. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. Uh, let's go to Chris with the Vancouver Canucks. Chris, you're on the clock. Well, I'm very happy because I was afraid that my guy might get taken at five or six, and he's still on the board, and that's Noah Dobson. Um, you know, he's 6'3", 179. He's got a little weight on, but the height's already there. Uh, I mean, this guy adds some weight. I mean, look out. I mean, this guy, to me, is a, he looks like a complete defenseman. Everything I read about him, uh, obviously, in terms of, you know, offense and, and playing in his own zone, um, and intelligence and vision. And vision uh, the, the thing that jumps out is, uh, to me is everyone says, he still continues to improve each and every year. I mean, as do a lot of these guys, but I think they feel like he might have a you know a, a little bit a chance for a little bit more upside. And then the other thing I really like, and this is always usually for whatever reason associated with a negative in in drafts and in sports drafts, people say, well, you know, he's a safe pick. Like that's such a terrible thing. Like. At the end of the day, this is almost like trading on the stock market. So imagine a broker calls you and say, hey, I have a real good stock for you. And by the way, it's a safe pick. I don't think you'd be upset. So uh, to me, I think he's at worst a future uh, second-pairing defenseman. And if things come together, maybe he's part of you know Brock Besner and him and you know a couple other people. Uh, are going to be the catalyst for for that team. So I'm going with Dobson with Vancouver at number seven. Okay, so we got the run on the defenseman going right now. Uh, five, six, seven. I'll go defense, and brings brings Mark Scheig on the clock with the Chicago Blackhawks. 
and they're going to have a decision if it plays out this way because now they're going to have to choose between either Evan Bouchard or Oliver Wallstrom. And in my mind, that's flip a coin because you've got a really good two-way defenseman um, who just tore it up in the OHL at the second half of last year in Bouchard, and you have perhaps one of the best sharpshooter, sharpshooting wingers in this draft in Wallstrom. And I know the Blackhawks would be happy um, both ways, but boy, if I had to pick between those two, I was hoping Dobson would be there for the Blackhawks because that, that would have been my pick. Um, they need, they, I mean, you, you think of Duncan Keith, you think of Brent Seabrook, you think of, you know, aging defense, you know, the, you still have, Hayes and Kane, you know, Alex DeBrinkett came on last year. I think they're going to lean defense. And with that being the case, I think Evan Bouchard's the pick. Um, they they got to get somebody in that's young, that's got upside, that can play both ends of the rink. Um, seems like a no-brainer pick when you consider just the status of their um, prospect pipeline. So with number eight, Chicago goes with Evan Bouchard. That's interesting because with Hosa Hosa going out and what I thought was a horrible trade to to move Panarin, you would think that uh, with Wallstrom, like you said, sitting on the board still there, um, that is a tough decision for them to make. I think you want to. I don't know. I I, I might lean toward trying to replace some of that offense, um, but I mean you can't go wrong with. Yeah, you can't go. You can't uh, go wrong with Dobson. Yeah, and I mean, with the core that they have, I mean, they want to make another run at it. I, I wouldn't rule out a trade if they can get an impact, you know, top six or top four defenseman. Um, I've seen some stories go around that if the right opportunity were to come along, the number eight pick could be in play. And Chicago's another interesting team. They're either going to have a really tough decision or they're going to make a trade. So can't wait to see what they decide to do. I have a yeah, that's question be... for Mark Scheiger. Uh, Mark, I read in a uh, place, or maybe two, is uh, people uh, not worried, but have questioned his, where his skating's at right now. Is that, you think that's accurate? Who's skating? Uh, Bouchard. Bouchard? Decent? I mean, I wouldn't say elite i wouldn't say bad i would say a little bit above average but here's the thing that really stands out about bouchard and when i've watched him live is that the guy he he actually was out on london's power play for all two minutes and then he stayed out for an extra over a minute he played a three-minute shift and it didn't look like he'd really tired out that much like he is so good at um quarterback in the power play um, he is so good at being in the right position on defense. So, you know, although the skating isn't top end like you would see with the Quinn Hughes, he's good enough in other things that it certainly makes up for it. All right, okay. I would um, add, I would add that if Richard is available, you know, I I do think Chicago's looking offensively, but if Bouchard is available, I think they snatch him up as well. Uh, I think his upside is is just what Chicago would need, and and they do have some age among their blue liners, so uh, I, I, it'd be a tough it, he'd be a tough guy to pass up at, at the eighth slot. 
All right, well, let's stay with Dan right now. Dan Harrison, the Tampa Bay Lightning Insider contributing writer, um, joining us on the Vegas Hockey Podcast today for our 2018 mock draft special. He is on the clock with the New York Rangers at the number nine. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Settle down. Rangers, you know, I think they're going to go offense, and I think uh, at this nine slot, I think Oliver Wallstrom is their pick. That's going to. Uh, I think. I think that that's who they select at the ninth spot. Should he be available? I think Walter yeah, is, is. I I just think he's he's you know there's there's a lot of upside to his game right now, and I think uh, he, he, just much like the Bouchard pick we just talked about, I think it'd be tough to pass him uh, at, at that ninth spot. I think he's a goal scorer. He seems to have a nose for the for the net, uh, and and I think he'll he'll help out. You know, there's a there's still, believe it or not, some uh, decent scoring wings uh, on on the Rangers roster, and I think uh, uh, a kid like Wallstrom's gonna gonna fit right in. Is uh, Dan real quick? Is there um? I've read uh, some, like I think it was the Hockey News that said they were a little worried about the consistency of effort. Anytime I read that, especially from a young kid, that always makes me a little nervous. Well, well, yeah, and that's why, you know, I was saying that I think that there's upside. You know, I, I'm certainly not saying we're going to see him in October, you know, for, for the Rangers, but I think that there is, there is some upside to his game. Obviously, you know, uh, once as we get further and further in the draft, uh, as far as the consistency, I think there's an awful lot of players. I think Mark alluded to that. Looking at at the first couple rounds, I think there's there's so much disparity between, let's say, wh- who who some people see in in picks 25 to 50, and and we're getting close to that to that point. And I think Wallstrom, uh, I, I just think he, he has an offensive IQ that, that would be very hard for the Rangers to pass up at that nine spot. Yeah, that's a warning sign for me too, Chris. I don't like hearing that. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, with the upside, I mean, the, the leadership group's going to have to be put back in place in New York and, and maybe, depending on who who comes comes and takes that C and and maybe that'll be an impact on the kid if he is having having those kinds of issues but um definitely definitely offensive skill definite talent so hard to pass up that at number nine so let's stay with Chris um somehow he slotted down to the 10 spot and not the 11th or 12th spot maybe maybe just to hear the feedback from Mark and Dan on on the Islanders picks bounce them off hit what he thinks but uh we'll go to Edmonton and Chris is on the clock. I can't have any blood on my hands. So, um, <laughs> we, need an independent, we need an independent auditor's review with those two. Uh, I thought you were going to say independent um, counsel. <laughs> yeah, independent <laughs> counsel. I like that. Yeah, that's not. Uh, Contiguary. <laughs> um, this to me, if it, this is a, I mentioned, and again, their pick seems to be in play too in a trade, but this is a very tough call. I mean, I feel like they can go in a number of different ways here, and you, you can make an argument for. But the guy, to me, that jumps out and is not getting the love 
maybe that he should? Because we mentioned about all those defensemen now that are off the board. And everywhere you read, they're kind of like the first tier. And this next guy is kind of like, well, after they're gone. Then maybe he belongs there. I don't know. But to me, Ty Smith to Edmonton is the pick. I know he's not huge. He's 5'11", 176. He's really, I mean, he just, he does what needs to be done. He plays, he's a great situational player. You know, he's strong in his own zone. Um, he, he, he can quarterback a power play. Um, you know, he, he's gotten, people said, uh, have said that his defense, where it's at right now, it's off the charts. He's, he's a very smart player. And like I said, he's a great skater, good puck mover, adapts to the situation at hand. I mean, that's the kind of play, quite frankly, I don't know if the Oilers have a defenseman like that on their current roster. So I'm not saying he'll be on the team in October, but, um, for me, that's the kind. They need more players like that uh, on their squad. And, again, like I said, you can make an argument here uh, for going a couple of different ways. But I'm going to go with Ty Smith to Edmonton with the 10th pick. So jump, jumping over a couple other defensemen ranked a little bit higher uh, on the North American board, uh, I'd like to hear what Mark has to say about jumping Ty Smith up a little bit and, and if it's a fit thing in Edmonton like Chris Chris is saying would have been my pick. There's no argument from this side at all. Um, all right. Edmonton, I think, definitely needs a defenseman. And, yeah, with the way that it broke with the four defensemen going in the top ten, um, yeah, I, I mean, he's played in the Western Hockey League, so there's a little bit of familiarity with that area on top of that. So he can play both ends of the ice. I mean, Chris had a really nice summary about it, so – yeah, that would definitely be my pick. Now, the thing that I'll just throw out there, you know, if Pakaniemi goes in the top ten somewhere, Edmonton could be sitting there being able to grab one of the four, um, top four. So definitely agree that defenseman is the way they're looking now. Mm-hmm. And he is still yeah, on our board, if I'm reading this right. Pakaniemi, that, that is. He is. And, and, okay. and I, would, I would agree, I of the of the D the defensemen that are left, I think Ty Smith, uh, the case certainly can be made that he's the best of of the remaining defensemen. Best of the rest. That's like Edmonton's mantra, right? Best of the rest. <laughs> no offense, Oiler. No no offense, Oiler Nation. I'm just kidding. Um, okay, well let's uh, let's let's start this off for Chris here. We've got the New York Islanders uh, picking number eleven. Shag, who are we going with at the 11th spot? Uh, well, um, I'd like to go winger here, but given who's left on the board, you know, mantra should always be take the best available player. And, you know, given the way that the draft is broken to this point, this is where I think you have to take Jesperi Kakaniemi. I mean, if, if the comparisons to Barkov are accurate, when you you have to take him. I mean, I understand that, you know, if John Tavares does resign and, you know, you have Matthew Barzell already, you can never have enough center depth. Just ask the Columbus Blue Jackets. Just ask any team that's lacking in centers. You can never have enough of them. And if he's the best available player, which at that point I think he is the best available player, it's a no-brainer slam dunk, especially when you have the 12th pick next and you can um, address a different need that way. Um, and take Jesperi and and run because you just got yourself a really good pick. 
All right. I like that. I like that. And, and we now we have him going outside of the top 10. So it's it, a little bit, we talked earlier about him being the maybe slider if uh, he didn't go to Montreal and he comes down to the 11th spot. So interesting, interesting. And, and I, I imagine Chris would be happy if, if uh, Kakanimi falls right into his lap. Let's see who Dan adds to the New York Islanders with at the number 12 pick. Well, I, for full disclosure for Chris, I had Smith as my number one pick for the for the 12th slot here. So uh, <laughs> you kind of you kind of screwed the pooch for me there. But, <laughs> and, and I had me number two. Um, I know this may be unorthodox, but I think oh. Joe Valino, Joe Valino is is the best available player in my opinion at this point right now and I think the Islanders would take Bellino. I know it goes against all conventional wisdom of taking two centers right in a row but I think this kid's upside is tremendous and and it, it'd be tough to pass up a guy like this at this point. I mean I was going back and forth right now between between Joe Bellino and, and Farabee uh, either one of them, I think, would be a good pick at at this slot, but I, I would go Bellino. Okay, Chris. Bellino's uh, a good uh, good kid, good selection. Well, one thing that jumps out to me about this is if Conte Miami goes in the top ten, which is a good chance he does, that means mm-hmm. when assuming the Islanders have both, have the eleventh pick. That's very much in play. But that's going to mean either Wallstrom or one of those defensemen, probably Ty Smith, will be on the board at 11. And if mm-hmm. Tom Miami doesn't go in the top 10, then obviously he'll be on the board. So that's something to look out for. Uh, I, I just want to throw out the Shiger because I saw he did a mock for the hockey writers, and I think he, yep. he did the Islanders at 12, and he took both. Bodie Wild. Bodie so Wild, uh, yeah. I just want to, yeah. So uh, obviously, I like everything about Bodie Wild. I really like Bellino, by the way. But I like everything about Bodie Wild. But I think was it the hockey news again that that wrote that his name kind of suits him? Like, does he need to to calm down yeah, a little yeah. bit on the ice? So, or uh, yeah, I don't remember who it was, but I I read the same. Yeah, a little bit of a risky player, but. Again, I'm going. I'm going on upside. You know, the, just the way that I try to look at things. Like, who has the ability to be dynamic at the next level if they reach their potential? And the way that Wild plays. I mean, yeah, he might pinch in a little too much sometimes, or he might get out of position. But the way he can skate, the way he can move a puck, the way he can shoot a puck, the way he can just blast you on defense when he wants to do that because he's an in-your-face kind of player. That's the kind of player that I envision the Islanders need, especially on their blue line, is somebody that's willing to, you know, protect their teammates or to play an in-your-face style, but also has the other elements of his game. So, yes, there's certainly a few question marks there, but, man, he's got a lot of things that you can't teach. And just to me, it seems like that's the kind of player that the Islanders could sure use to be able to really eventually stabilize that blue line. He's a big boy, too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got that twenty exactly. pounds that and on the frame and three four inches on that Ty Smith. Um, different different kind of player, but yeah, he he already has full man body for sure. Okay, well that that wraps up our Islanders section of the program. Um, Chris, you are back on the clock here, and we're going to Dallas with the thirteenth overall pick. Well, the hometown crowd will be uh, excited here. Um, I really like this kid. I think he would be a great pick for the Oilers at 10. I think he's a possibility. Dan just mentioned him. I got to whisper in Dan's ear uh, since since, uh, uh, Shiger took Kotinami, the center at 11, uh, and he was debating between Volano and this guy. I'd say, well, why don't we take the winner, and that's Joe uh, Fabry. Um, granted, he, he needs to eat a few, you know, uh, chicken Caesar salads and cheeseburgers or so. Six foot, 168, how that is possible, I have no idea. But Whoa. this guy just seems like he, he does everything. Um, he scores goals, he blocks shots, he kills penalties. His work ethic is through the, through the roof. His competitive level is through the roof. Um, you know, he... He has that. He's got vision, quick release. They say um, he adds some more weight. I mean, look out! Um, this is a guy who can. It look, to me looks like could be a dynamic top six for uh, top six winger for years to come. Uh, I would be very tempted to take him, starting with Edmonton at ten, and uh, the Islanders do wind up holding one of their picks. Uh, I wouldn't be upset whatsoever if they took Joel Fabry, but be that as it may, if he full, if he's on the board when Dallas picks, uh, uh, if I was a Dallas Stars fan, that's who I would want them to take. So I'm going to go with Joel Fabry at 13, my last pick for the mock draft uh, uh, today. You know, I'll tell you what, Chris, I think that's a great pick. He is uh, a 200-foot player, and – and those those types of players who uh, seem to be uh, more and more rare these days. But yeah, I I was going back and forth on that twelfth uh, pick with the Islanders. But I like I like this kid a lot. I, I like players who play the two hundred foot game. Yeah, you can see it's a big part of the Golden Knights' success this year when they're whole top line finishes one, two, three in the plus minus and, and the value of having guys that are willing to go down and play 200 foot of ice. So like, like Chris said, if he can get a pizza and a double order of cheeseburgers and uh, get, get a little few pounds on his frame to help him in that defensive side of the ice um, that's, and, and you know what Dallas needs in all frankness, Dallas needs uh, guys that are, that want to play the 200 foot game because being, being offensive centric as they have been the last few seasons, um, they they need a, a guy like that. So I like that pick going to Dallas too, Chris. Um, Philly is on the clock now. Mark Scheig from St. Louis is that is this is this Philly's St. Louis's pick from the the Braden Shin deal? Yeah. It is. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And so this point, I mean, the Flyers have a really deep prospect pool, probably one of the best in the league at this point. So I Absolutely. think that you, you could try to see, you could see maybe them package a pick or two together to move up or make a trade. But if they keep the pick, 
I just think you go with the best available player. And I'm going to go to a guy that really impressed this season. I mean, um, he kind of was a little bit of a second fiddle to the big top line that they had of like Morgan Frost and Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish and Sault Ste. Marie. But man, when they weren't on the ice and this kid was on the ice, he impressed, especially in the playoffs. I know the Sioux lost a heartbreaking series to Hamilton in the OHL finals, but it wasn't because of this kid. I mean, he's one of the smartest players in this draft. He can just do so many things. He can power play. He can penalty kill. He can play 200 feet. He just has IQ off the charts. Um, he would join Morgan Frost in the Flyers organization. There's just a, I, this, this pick to me just makes way too much sense if it breaks this way. Um, and so with the 14th pick, the Philadelphia Flyers select Barrett Hayton from the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. There you go. I like that pick a lot. Um, maybe not a top 10 guy, but in the right, in the right situation. He, I mean, he moved up in in his ranking throughout the season and uh, I, you know, does, is anybody else along the lines with me on Philadelphia where if they could just get a goaltender, that is going to be a hell of a hockey team in two years. Anybody else on board that train? I think they're waiting quite a hard. Yeah. Um, um, I I mean, if they had a goaltender ready this season and, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the young kids, you know, Gosses being pro rock another year, another two, just to, to finish settling in. Um, It takes a while for defensemen to, to, you know, feel it in the NHL, if you will. But, man, that, this Flyers team is going to be a team to look out for. And like Shiger said, their prospect pool, the, the kids they have coming, and Carter Hart being first and foremost, if he ends up being what they want him to be and what they think he can be, um, the Flyers are going to make a lot of noise for a long time because these are all young kids, and I, and I just like the way they play hockey in Philadelphia right now. So good. And what, back-to-back – goaltender of the year in the WHL. I mean, he had a sub two goals against average, which is almost unheard of in junior yeah. hockey. I mean, he's by far away. The um, So if he can translate that to the next level, boy, they're in good hands. But you're right. The point's taken. You know, if they had somebody now, how far could they go? Maybe they take a look to see what they can bring in in free agency or trade. We'll see. Is is like is he gonna do? Get, I like to see them uh, get a goalie now because I don't think Hart's gonna be on the team in the fall, and and then a guy who can help mentor him, and you know turn the keys over to him, because like to me Carter Hart I believe is what twenty years of age. Let's say he needs one more year of development and becomes the silly at twenty one. Well, I, I mean I know he's super talented and all that, but I think it's a bit unfair to say especially in a town like Philadelphia, okay, well, we're ready to win now. And even though you're a rookie, he's like, the keys, be a kid. number one goalie. <laughs> Here, here's yeah, the keys I mean, to the castle, I, kid. I think, it, I think you're going to need somebody that kind of helps support him. And I don't want to say use the word ease, but I guess I am going to use the word ease, maybe not with a capital E, but uh, that would be my concern. So my hearing is the – there's not really much love for Brian Elliott going in. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, he had a nice career. <laughs> had a nice career, damn Chris. <laughs> wow, wow. I had a terrific career. Are they throwing yeah, batteries I, at the I Santa Claus hat now or what? 
Whoa. <laughs> man, St. Louis St. Louis just had so many eggs in that Brian Elliott basket too, man. Um Wow. Okay. Well, uh, that, that'll do it for Philly. Um, a, g- a good pick and a strong pipeline. And I'm, I'm a Philly bandwagoner now, um, uh, this season. I, I love what, what they're doing in Philly. They just, uh, they, you know, Carter Hart shows up in a couple of years. That's going to be a very good team for a long time. Well, let's close this out. We are on the 15th overall pick, the Florida Panthers down in Dan's neck of the neighborhood. So, uh, neck of the woods. And so, Dan, Florida Panthers are on the clock. Well, what do you what do you select for a team that basically needs everything? Um, One of each. <laughs> yeah, and I think there is, you know, do if they go defense, I think we're looking at Bodie Wild, but but I think that they, uh, I think Grigory Denisenko is is somebody that, that Florida would be looking at at this point. But ultimately, I think uh, they're they're going to end up picking a defenseman, and right now it's got to be Bodie Wild. He's the top defenseman left at this point. I mean, he's a big, he's a big guy. He's, he's, you know, it's, it's, he's certainly a work in progress, as we've alluded to earlier, but I think the Florida Panthers pick Wild. At, at the number 15 selection. That's wild. <laughs> I There's no argument here with that pick, though, honestly. Um, Dan's right. They need a, they need a little bit of everything. Dennis Senko is certainly somebody that they would consider. Um, mm-hmm. Isaac Lundstrom is another one that I think that would be in that conversation. There's about three or four players that they could easily go in that spot. So it's just a matter of what peer, we talked earlier about the list and what appears on a team's list. What are they, what's on the Florida list? Whoever's on the highest one there is going to be the pick. And yeah, Bodie Wild could very easily end up um, being the pick in real life. Yeah. And hey, Mark, I think right. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Well, all I was going to say is, is I, you know, uh, uh, I agree with what what Mark was saying. It, it, it's they have some talent offensively, uh, but if if you have a guy like like Wild, who many are projecting in in that let's say ten to fifteen slot, and he's available at fifteen, I think it, it'd be tough. Now, if if because there's you know, just like we had an early run on on defensemen, if Wild is 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 off the board at that point, you know there there are a handful of 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 uh, forwards that that they could uh, take a take a pick with, like Denisenko, Kratsov. Uh, you know, there's there's a few Noel that that could fit the bill for them because, as we said, it's a team that that needs a little bit of everything. I got a question for both of you guys. Let's start with Shiger first. So, Mark, we didn't get to them because we're only doing the top 15 picks, but at 18 for Columbus, is there, who, is there a guy or two they're hoping are going to be on the board that would be a good fit for them? 
I just wrote about this today. Um, boy, there, there's a lot of ways that they can go. If they keep the pick, it would be the best available player. Denisenko is certainly somebody that would be in that conversation. If Kraftsoff is in that spot, he would be in the conversation. But quite honestly, I'm going to throw a name at you guys that you're probably going to be like, huh? Because like, I think that there's some people that rated him in the second round. But um, And this is going to be somebody from Massachusetts by the name of Jay O'Brien. And I'm going to call my shot. I called my shot in the article, and I'm going to call my shot now. Um, he's the best high school player available in this draft. He went to Thayer Academy. He's a 5'11 center who's an excellent skater. Um, he just got named to the summer showcase on Team USA for the World Juniors. And talking to him at the Combine, he admitted that the Blue Jackets actively went to his games in high school and witnessed him multiple times. And he's the kind of player that fits the Columbus mold, which is high character, going to work his tail off, but can bring um, a lot of skill to the table. And he's somebody that's been shooting up some draft rankings and it's a little bit of a stretch, I get it, but I, I think they're going to lean center. So O'Brien, I think, is the guy that, that they're going to pick if, if that opportunity comes, unless there's somebody on the list that's a little bit higher. But another guy to keep in mind is Ty Delandria and Flint, another guy that I think is a top six center at the next level that even though he was a little bit suppressed on a bad Flint team, he still scored 60 points and played the number one center role pretty good for somebody that got a lot of defensive attention. So – I think it's somebody like that that you would see Columbus try to go after. And, Dan, for you, uh, am I correct? That I thought the Lightning had their first-round pick, but I guess they don't. I thought – No. But, um, they, yeah, they don't. They Actually, their first pick is in the second round is almost towards the bottom of the second round. I think it's 59. Right. So I've heard a lot of rumors about Tyler Johnson – I mean, do you put any stock in that? I mean, the way the, the, the Lightning are built to me to trade Tyler Johnson now, like I could see a year from now when all these when they have a lot of guys to come free agents and, you know, maybe do, you know, change things up a bit. But uh, do you any credence to, to, to that? Uh, yeah, there's actually an awful lot of credence to it. Oh. It, would not, it would not surprise me at all if, Tyler Johnson is moved before July 1st. On July 1st, his uh, no trade clause, his, I'm sorry, his no movement clause goes into effect uh, for the remainder of, of his deal. So I think Iserman, and, and look, if, if, if you guys remember the 2015 Stanley Cup uh, against the Blackhawks, Tyler, coming into the Stanley Cup final, Tyler Johnson was probably the lead, the leader in terms of the con Smythe. He was blistering in that, and, and that was his second year in the league. But since that season, he uh, broke his wrist in game one of the Stanley Cup final, played the rest of the, the series. But he, he has, in my opinion, and I've written about this uh, several times since then, he hasn't been the same player. And, the 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 role that we, that we see Braden Point play as the second line center that's the that's the spot that Tyler Johnson uh, had for the last three four years until Point 
came, you know, onto the onto the scene for all intents and purposes this past season. So it wouldn't surprise me if Johnson is is an asset that they can move uh, and and freeing up that that five million dollars will go a long way towards keeping Nikita Kucherov happy. Seems like a, uh, a typical Columbus Blue Jacket player to me. Boy, oh boy, you got. Uh, you have no, well, I got something for you guys. So, this is something I've been thinking about for a long time with the Tyler Johnson, you know, would he fit in Columbus kind of thing. So, I had a little birdie tell me that the Tampa Bay Lightning have actually interviewed over the phone this past week some players that are projected late first round picks. Now, why why is that important? Because I think that Tampa Bay would be very interested to trade back in the first round if they're able to do that. And I think what better way to do that than Tyler Johnson? So, I mean, not trying to spur speculation. And obviously, I don't know if any of this is any kind of true. It probably isn't. But would you consider, and you know, Dan or anybody can answer this, would you, if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, would you give the 18th pick to Tampa Bay in or as part of a deal to get Tyler Johnson? Uh, I think I think that's exactly the type of trade that that Iserman would certainly make. He's he he does make, uh, you know, in his eight years now at, as the GM, he generally makes a a draft day trade. To move up or down, uh, even a few a few spots, so it wouldn't surprise me. I, 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 I'm sure he's working to try and get a first round pick. Here's the Columbus angle, though, that I think makes it really interesting: is next off season, you have to pay Bobrovsky, you have to pay Panarin, you have to pay Wierenski. So you're probably dealing with at least twenty five million dollars in contracts if you keep all three. If you can bring a top six player, which they could certainly use, like Tyler Johnson, with some cost certainty, and you're able to put salary back the other way, why not do that? Why not put a line of Artemi Panera and Tyler Johnson and Cam Atkinson together? Why not do that? Why not bring an element of dynamic in? I know that there's concerns about injury and stuff like that, but why not talk about it? I mean, you have an opportunity to try to make a run before you have to pay players. That's why I think Columbus might not be set at 18, depending upon you know what situations come up. And it's not the first time I've heard Tampa and Columbus connected. I think that there's something – it could happen. I'm not saying that there's a good chance that it happens, but it wouldn't surprise me if anything were to ever come from it. Uh, it makes a lot of sense from both sides. The only negative, like you just brought up, uh, Shaik is, uh, you know, they do have a number of contracts. I wouldn't say Poposki, you know, if he has another subpar year, I, I mean, it's not inconceivable. They could move on from him after next year. It's a big year for him. But be that as it may, let's say he, he will be in play for them. The fact that Dan brought up the point about he has that no-move clause, so that could hamstring you a bit. And to me, Tyler Johnson's had the injuries because it's just the way he plays with reckless abandonment, I mean, and, you know, they're gonna, that's going to add up over time. But on paper, I could see that being a great deal for everyone all around. And I would add that, that a, move, a move at this point in, in his career might not be the, the worst thing for Tyler Johnson either. 
No, that's a good point too. Um, let me ask. Let me ask Shrig, um because he does cover junior hockey and and the and the draft for the hockey writers. Um, if we were to compare, there I'm looking. I'm looking down my sheet, and there's a lot of good players still on the board. If we were to compare this depth wise for the 2018 draft back, to, let's go five years back. Um, is this the deepest draft? I know that I know the McDavid Eichel draft was pretty deep at or pretty heavy at the top, but there's a lot of good players left on this board. How do you how do you rate the depth of this year's draft? It's good. Um, I, well, I say it's the deepest in the last ten years. I'm not sure I can say that. I'd have to look back at every draft, but this is a very deep draft where you can easily get somebody in the 40s. You know, we talked with Chris earlier about the Islanders having those two picks in the 40s. That's Those are valuable commodities right now because you could land players that might slip out of the first round, like players that come to mind to kill Thomas if somebody doesn't pick him. Guy scored over 80 points with, with the Niagara Ice Dogs this year, and there would be teams that would love to pick him and you can get him early in the second round if he slips out of the first round. Alexander Alexiev is another guy as a defenseman in the WHL is a good two-way defenseman. I know that some teams have ranked in the first round, but he might end up being a second round pick. Um, but yeah, your point is well taken. It's, it's deep and you can probably go almost throughout the entire second round and get some really, really like Jake Wise is another guy, Tyler Madden, Chris, um, Jack Drury is another one. I mean, we can go That's on and on here about yeah. guys. I think that could be NHL players that, yeah. So, and that's another reason to trade down is if you can get an extra pick, like in the second or third round, you might have another opportunity to tap into that um, depth sum. So point well taken on your part. I wanted to ask too, um, ah. and I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh I'm looking at some some hard chargers here in the second half of of the season this year who really were risers and and may end up going in the first round or or like you said earlier in the second because there is so much depth. Um, Liam Foudy went in the rankings from 90th to 19th. Um, you mentioned Jack Drury and I, I'm not sure Ty Delandrea or Ty Delandria. Um, he went Ty from Delandria, 70 yes. Delandria, yeah, from 76th to 25th. Um, I'm, I'm interested in Fowdy and Drury. Is uh, the Drury name obviously familiar? Is that is that Chris's kid? That's his nephew, I think. Nephew. So he's got the bloodlines to go with it. Yep, that, that's right. And he plays just like the Drury name suggests. So it's almost okay. a carbon copy. So if you get somebody like him in the second round, yeah, you're you're doing work. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, as like I said, your point is very much well taken with um, with those kind of players. I mean, the, you mentioned Fudi. Um, he had a really nice second half of the season. He's somebody that's one of the best skaters in the entire Ontario Hockey League. Um, he's also on the London Knights, and you know how that goes when it comes to development. So you're constantly yeah. playing with really good players. Um there's a kid on London that's actually really intriguing to me that isn't Liam Foodie. I think Foodie's going to be fine, but um, Billy Moskal, he's somebody that I'm really interested in, kind of had, didn't have the numbers, but he's somebody that has the upside, and I think that he's going to go maybe fourth, fifth, sixth round, something like that, 
but is going to have an excellent draft plus one season because of everything he brings to the table. And that's what I mean, though. There's guys that are in the 80s, in the 100s, in the 120s that I think have legit shots at making it to the NHL. So you want to talk about overall uh, depth. I mean, that's reason right there. And, you know, why did Foodie go up? Is because he had a good second half of the season. Why did Delandria go up? Because he had a really good um, top prospects game where he scored a couple of times on a national stage. And that's what gets people's attention that, oh, he's got some talent there. You know, I, I think I think the Landry is a first round pick. I've had him in my top twenty the whole year, but now people are starting to catch up. You know, oh man, he's actually a pretty good player. And if he starts to slip, then you know somebody's going to land him in the second round and might get a first round talent out of it. So it's going to be fascinating. Uh, it's, all, it's always it's always fun doing the show because I, I I know you, Shai, and and we've we've had you do this I think two or three years in a row now. And and you're you're at the combine. You're you're you don't just do this like me once once a year when I take the week to get ready for the draft show. Um, you're 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 on it 52 weeks a year. So I learn a lot having having you on the show, and I appreciate you giving us uh, a good portion of your Saturday morning or afternoon uh, to do this with us. Because because you know you know a couple years ago when we were going through it now. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in the, in the Vegas marketplace are new to hockey and don't necessarily have the, the background of, of what's going on in juniors and, and who's coming up, who's going down and, and all that stuff. So when, when you who, who are immersed in this 52 weeks a year, you know, hell, I'm learning, listening to you and Dan and Chris go through it. Just I'm sure Chris and Dan are learning from you and vice versa all the way around. I think that's the fun part of this show is, is get, getting the listeners um, a chance to get exposed to these younger guys that don't get any, any, you know, airtime or, or in, unless you're watching late night reruns of, of junior hockey games on the NHL network at two o'clock in the morning, which, you know, I admit sometimes I find myself doing, but um, for the majority of these kids outside of Canada, you know, they're, they're, you know, unknown to the, especially a marketplace like Vegas. So Dan, Dan, you as well. Thank you for your insight today. We really appreciate having both of you guys on the show. And, and that being said, once the first trade comes down, all of our work we just did is out the window, but it, it is a fun <laughs> exercise to go through it just, just for the point of, of being exposed to these kind of players. And then I, I remember we were all really high on Kyle Connor and that, that, and, and, Chris referred earlier to the conversation we had about Provorov and, and now seeing these kinds of kids come up and make impacts on their team. That's, that's what makes this show fun for me. And I really appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks for having us. Yep. So everybody make sure you follow Mark Scheig. He He's a Columbus blue jackets guy, but he's also um, way deep in in the draft and and junior hockey as you could tell he's at the combine he is at mark scheig on twitter and and then for tampa bay lightning and and all of dan's work you can follow him on twitter at dan harrison h-e-r-r-e-j-o-n and there's links to both those guys twitter profile in the show notes so um make sure you go the closer we get to draft day on june 22nd i'm sure excuse me, Shike's probably going to put up a few more articles of, of what you can expect here in, in the draft this season. And it is going to be a very deep draft. So make sure you check those guys out. Give them a follow on Twitter because they know what they're talking about, obviously. Chris, final thoughts on the 2018 NHL draft, sir? 
Yeah, I think it is a point you just brought up, and, and that is how you know how deep it is, and really the last number of drafts. I mean, me and you have been following this sport for a while now, and you go back ten. I mean, I remember like following the draft and and you know picks from like the mid teens on, talking about, well, you know, this guy could be a real nice role player or complimentary player, but it just seems like there's just so many players now. You you like just look at recent times in terms of 2015. You know we we talked about Matt Barzell going 16. You know and then Kyle O'Connor went 17 and Travis Konecki went 24. I think Brock Besner was in that draft if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He went. I, I I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then in the following year, just off the top of my head, um, you know Jacob Chicken went 18 overall with the trade going to Arizona, and then Keeper Bellows, who's one of the top 20 or so prospects in the sport, went to the Islanders at 19, and he's going to be – he'll keep this good chance he'll be in the NHL next year, and or and his, and his chance he's kind of on the table uh, for, for the Islanders to get a, a real, forward, uh, proven uh, young veteran defenseman as a possibility as well. So that's kind of the value that he holds. So – uh, to me, there's still like if you're picking between you know the next few picks, there's still so many guys to be excited about and on the board after after 15 or so. And like I said, I think it's from the standpoint of you you know teams such as the Islanders that have in their case two early second round picks, you know that's going to be very viable in the marketplace. So um, yeah, it's going to. Th- and you, from what you're hearing, like, it feels like the last few years the only negative. Uh, if you will, about the draft is there's been one or two trades during the, during the first round or so. But yeah, I think but we're getting active this like, year, Chris. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think th- I think there's a lot of things bubbling where we could have some movement. And uh, I agree. Uh, there's a lot. I think uh, you know we we mentioned real quick like Montreal and Cotegna, that whole situation. You know, then you have Ottawa. a situation where we mentioned before Ottawa and Colorado. Um, uh, that situation, um, you know, the Rangers have a number, uh, I think they have three first round picks and they have their own Boston and Tampa. So would they trade one of those others to move up from nine to, to get a certain guy? I, I would be very surprised the Islanders didn't trade one of their first round picks to get a proven player to help their goaltending or, and or defense, you know, Edmonton, the same thing. So I think there's a lot. And we mentioned about Philly. I think they have 14 and 19. So with uh, Stripe brought up with their deep system, they could package those if there's someone that they really want to maybe get in the top ten. Um, uh, there's a lot, and we mentioned the Tyler Johnson situation. So there's a lot floating out there. That's just a few of them. So I think it is going to be an active, uh, uh, an active first day. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Dan, final thoughts. Uh, no, and I think I, I think Chris hit the nail on the head. I think it's going to be an active uh, uh, draft weekend, and I think that just speaks to the depth uh, of 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 this particular draft. Uh, you know, I think it's it's. I'm, I wouldn't go out on a limb and say, well, this is the deepest draft in the last five years, but it, it's certainly one of the deepest drafts we've seen in recent recent years, and I think that that just uh, uh, increases the chances that we're going to see some uh, some activity, some teams moving up or or down, uh, or draft day deals. 
No, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And and for the Golden Knights fans and our listeners, um, I, I think the Golden Knights are going to be trying heavily to to move back up after the, the Thomas Tatar deal took their first round pick this year and their second round pick the following year and their third round pick and whatever. I think and um, locally there's a lot of chatter that what and and Chris. Chris tells me I think that everybody's going to the Golden Knights, but there is a lot of chatter here. <clears throat> there is a lot of chatter here locally that the deal that almost went through uh, for Eric Carlson at the trade deadline, the only sticking point being McPhee wouldn't give up on Cody Glass. Um, well, that price has That's to have come down. Be- yeah, well, the price has to have come down because you've lost half a season and an entire Stanley Cup playoff run. So it, yeah. it, now whatever, whatever McPhee was uh, offering Cody Glass shouldn't have to be included in that kind of a deal. Um, so the, the, and and obviously with all the all the stuff going on off the ice in Ottawa this week, um, uh, I I I saw in numerous places that that Carlson's asked to go, and I think that there's a, there's a better than average chance that Carlson ends up a golden knight on draft day. Oh. Possible. Be a, be a pretty good fit. In. Edmonton. Although I don't know how that would work with the cap. So I, I don't know. No, the, the Edmonton's in cap hell and, and the Knights have $30 million to spend. I, I think if it comes down to money, uh, the Knights win that. No question about it. I mean, what are they going to offer? Lucic? Nobody wants that contract either. Unless they would move Price uh, back the other way, I'm feeling that great. Uh, yeah, tough, tough. I, I, if I'm Edmonton, I would I would put Nugent Hopkins in the deal for that. Sure, I think I'd keep. I right. I I think Leon Draisaitl would be my Cody Glass if I was in Edmonton. Um, right. But we'll see. We'll so see. Edmonton, I mean, there's, there's yeah. A lot of I local chatter about, about the night. The Vegas uh, only has one pick in the first four, four rounds. I think they have their they have their own third. I, I don't know what player they would move to get, let's say, in the top two rounds, because the guys that they have that would have that kind of value they want to keep. So I, I think unless they can finagle a deal where they trade their third and they have so many picks in 2019 and 2020 already, Maybe they could use some of those chips to get into the top, uh, to get into the second round in this draft. Sixty, just a thought. Sixty, maybe. Yeah, I right. don't know. I don't know. It, it depends. There's, yeah. The, I think they're going to attempt to be active, but I don't. No yeah, one's sure. going to get obviously, obviously Cody Glass or Nick Suzuki or Nick Hague or I don't even think Curtis Lecision or Brennerstrom are. Are I think those guys are basically the pipeline for this, you know, don't forget they only have like eight players that they've drafted under, under, right. under their wing right now. So I don't think you lose, lose any of those. They, you know what? They, I mean, if they can bring Carlson in, they may just sit pat and, and take their, their third round pick and, and so on and go from there. And if they want to add a piece in free agency, depending on, you know, we've talked about this, Chris, with Neil Perron, uh, they got to get William Carlson done, and depending on what's left, if they want to fill a hole or two in free agency, do that, and then just stand pat. I don't. George McPhee's not going to want to move too many assets, so there's going to be a lot, a right. lot to look at here with the Golden Knights in the next couple of weeks, and then we're going to be off 
Chris, for a couple weeks. Um, unless, more you know, if, if something happens and we got to get involved, like if the Carlson deal goes down or, or something like that, we're going to have to do, do another, uh, show before it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're going to do our, our, uh, free agency roundup show. And then we're headed to the cottage as they say, we'll do our free agency roundup show sometime between the third and the sixth uh, of July, depending on how deep that free agent signing goes. Um, we are just about out of time. We got a minute, Cress. One more thing. Uh, no, I think it was a it was a fun show. It was a, a lot of great picks. I felt. Uh, I I feel pretty strong at the fifteen guys that we picked. Uh, just about all from. Are gonna are gonna be. I wouldn't be surprised if we we nailed it. Maybe the the order would be a little bit different, but um, feel really good about uh, about those selections. Yep, for sure. So that's it. That's gonna do it for this week. I hope you all enjoyed the show and and uh, like me, learned a little bit about the prospects coming up in the pipeline. Uh, like I said, we're off for a couple of weeks until the free agency show, unless something big breaks with the golden Knights and we'll do a quick podcast just to get our feelings on that. So until the free agency show for Chris on Mark and we're gone.